Hello, welcome to our Worship Facility Podcast, Security Planning, How to Leverage a Building Emergency Plan to Protect Your Church, with Simon Osimo. I'm Worship Facility Editor, Gene Lass. Hey guys, I'm Carl Barnhill. I'm here with Simon Osimo. Simon, uh, give me a little bit of your title and the security company that you work for. So Kingswood Security Consulting was born in 2014, and I've uh, got a background as a British law enforcement officer. When I first emigrated here to the US, I was head of counterterrorism at Mall of America, Minnesota. And I really had a calling to help churches stay safe and secure. So primarily we focus on nonprofit safety and security risk management. So I think what you're saying is you're the Jack Bauer of the church world. Would I be accurate in that? Yeah, maybe that. Maybe the the, the Lufa, maybe the Idris Alba of the church world. Yes, yeah, Yeah. I like that. Yes. Awesome. So tell me what what all you did there. So you led the the counter-terrorist... Uh, Correct, yes. I mean, Mall America is um, 6 million square feet, 42 million visitors per year. Per year. Um, I led counterterrorism, which means I sort of was in regular communication with a lot of the federal intelligence services and oversaw a, a team of highly trained practitioners that go looking for behavior indicators closely associated with terroristic activities. So uh, all my life I've had positions that have had a great depth of responsibility. So it was... Um, uh, like a, uh, it was second nature, really. What is the craziest thing that you've seen that you can actually tell us about? Uh, yeah, <laughs> good question. I wasn't prepared for that. I think one of the one of the scariest things that I've ever come across is that I was 21 years old in the British Police uh, and was first on scene to an attempted murder where I um, actually turned into a murder where a woman died in my arms and very. Um, it, really told me at such a young age, I think I was 21 at the time when it happened, that it really reinforced what a depth of responsibility there is in law enforcement yeah. and in safety and security. And I think that's really one of the reasons what drives me now is to always try to do whatever I can to help anyone stay safe and secure. You know, I believe everyone has the right to be safe and secure in today's world. Good. We'll have a lot of respect. We all have a lot of respect for what you do in law enforcement. Uh, in general, how did that move to the church world? How did you get involved in ministry and keeping churches? Yeah, and that's a great question. And, you know, I was actually presenting at a conference in Disney. And, you know, I was head of counterterrorism at Mall of America. And a police department called me and said, we've got this church. Um, we know your background. We feel that you could help them in safety and security. And, you know, lifelong Christian. I said, well, I, I can do. I'm the security guy, but I know nothing about church security. And, uh, and I went there one Wednesday evening. I came away really knowing a couple of things, that there was a real need for biblically-based risk management and that the Lord put it on my heart to help his churches. And since then, I've authored three books and helped churches across the the U.S. So it um, it really was a blessing by God to sort of put me in a position that I'm in, really. Well, I think in today's culture, there's definitely a need for it. We've seen, you know, an increase in church shootings and you know, different things. So uh, making sure that we're secure, making sure that we're prepared uh, is definitely a, a need. So let's talk through what does an emergency preparedness look like? What do I need yeah. to even prepare for? Yeah, and that's a good question. So I mean, most organizations outside of nonprofits and for-profits world, most often they will have what they call an emergency operations plan. And it's something that we need here within churches. And really, what you're looking to do is to identify all the things that can go wrong within your organization. Uh, it could be natural disasters, human disasters, technology. Uh, try to under- understand and identify that universe of all the things that can go wrong. 
then you're going to create some simple steps, some procedures, could be policy, as to what happens when we're in those situations. What do we want our staff and volunteers to do? So we have a pre-planned response, so we're prepared for those emergencies. We're not saying that these things are going to happen every day, but if they do, staff and volunteers are trained and know how they need to respond. Does it matter my church size? If I'm a church of 50 people or 50,000 people, I should still be prepared. Absolutely. I say, I think it's John 16, 33 that says, for in this world you will have trouble. Our scripture is telling us that there will be trouble in this world, and it doesn't matter the size of your congregation. I think, um, you know, we've recently come out of the, the hurricane in Florida, you know, mass shootings. Uh, there's so much is telling us that no matter where you are in life, you could be in a coffee shop, everyone needs to be prepared and have a type of plan to say, if something that I can't even imagine bad happens, what, what is my response going to be to do? So uh, I actually am more concerned with those smaller churches than I am the larger churches. How so? so? Yeah. Why? Just because generally they're less prepared, um, because we, they have the attitude because we're small, nothing is ever going to happen. You know, there's a little bit more denial of danger. So yeah, it's, um, it's important. Wow, very interesting. So let's talk through those steps of emergency preparedness. So walk me through those steps, being prepared. Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing I'd say, and there's sort of three things that I um, would talk about in emergency preparedness. I think first is identifying what your risk universe is. Um, So it's really looking at human disasters, natural disasters, technology, writing down, really getting that list, everything that can go wrong. Let's write it all down so we understand what our universe is, what are we up against? And then once we then have that list, the second step I then move into is, well, how are we going to respond? Um, And that's uh, something that a lot of organizations don't think too deeply in, but it's something that when you're in the moment to have that pre-planned response is really important. And it's covering things like crisis communications, um, education of people about, hey, this is our response. Uh, Making sure that you're socializing your plans with other ministry leaders and also people in your congregation so they understand, okay, yeah, this is what you want me to do if there's a lost child, if there's a child abduction, if there's severe weather. So those are the sort of first two things I ask people to do is identify your universe and second is then work out what's your plan going to be your response in relation to those. So I've been in situations with uh, a couple of different churches that the security of children, you know, you'd find children just out. Or let me ask you this question. The the ticketing system for a kid's check-in. I'm rabbit trailing. I'll come come, come back to your notes. Uh, But the kid's check-in, we use this ticketing system where, uh, you know, the child gets a sticker on their uh, person and then the parent has the other half of that. Well, sometimes I'll walk back to pick up my child, and there's no, oh, let me just get the sticker. There's no connection between, let me make sure that the numbers match up with things like that. So I guess my question is, how concerned do I need to be about security? Do I need to be flippant about it? Obviously not, but how serious do we need to be about child security and things that might happen in my church? Yeah, I think you raise a good point. I think it's you need to be conscious of security and you need to be aware. You don't need to be fearful. But one thing that we do need to have is make sure that anyone understands that this is serious. You know, Things can go wrong. And we often say that familiarity breeds content. And what I mean by that is that because the more we do things, the more we recognize Simon 
when Simon said, well, I've lost my badge and can I get my son, we'll let our guard down to our protocols that we put in place to make sure people are safe. And that's really what you were describing there is that the attitude becomes, well, you know, the door starts getting propped open. Then that becomes a regular behaviour. Um, you know, someone's not checking that the badge is the same as a parent. That becomes a culture then that we don't check the labels. So um, having a strong security culture is the foundation, really, of all emergency uh, preparedness. Because if people aren't going to follow your procedures as to what you're going to write down, when your house is then built on sand, then it's not going to stand. So even if I know, let's use the child example uh, again. Even if I know that person... You know, one thing I'm thinking of is, yeah. well, other parents that are standing around might not know how well I know this person, things like that. And they're just seeing, oh, well, you lost your tag or whatever. Yeah. You know, so how, how strict do we need to be in our churches about not only child security, but our protocols, our preparedness? How strict do we need to be? On ourselves. Yeah, great question. And we need to be, we need to follow the process that is written down. If it's your executive pastor collecting his grandchild, if it's your lead pastor, if it's some, some member of staff, it doesn't matter who it is, what we need to do is follow the process. And what I often say to facilities leaders and operations leaders who most often oversee safety and security at churches is that if you create the standard, it then doesn't matter who it is. You're just saying, well, the standard tells me I need to check your badge. So I know you're the executive pastor, but I've got to ask you as well. As opposed to sort of creating bypass of those rules for key individuals, it's easy to say, doesn't matter who stood in front of me, the protocol is still the same. And actually, more than empowers the person to feel like their role matters and rather than it being inconsistent in what they've been asked to do. Very good point. So let's talk between staff or and volunteers and maybe hired security. Like how much of that needs to be on which role? Yeah, and so most churches will have some type of safety team. And I think it's, it's okay to have volunteers in that role. I think what a church needs to really understand is there is a strong element of training that needs to go on there. Uh, those people on the safety team need to understand the church culture. Uh, I really believe that they should be members of the church to show their commitment. Uh, and here's the reason why, that your reputation rests on these people that are going to put themselves into a dangerous position. Your reputation rests on these people that are going to interact with people that could be displaying behaviours that are different in your church. So you want to make sure that they have strong judgment, um, they're members, they make sound decisions and understand the culture of your church when they're welcoming and greeting people, they're going to do things the right way um, because any, anything adverse that they do is they're going to come back onto the church. So right. absolutely, yes, use volunteers, but it's very different than children's ministry or the worship team. These people need to be um, very uh, well-trained and educated on what their role is so they don't overstep those boundaries because there's a lot more liability and risk if they do, should I be? Should I have all uh, "quote unquote" undercover folks, or, or should I have visible, uniformed cops at my location? And that's quite a common question. And I think it, it's most probably an and or. I, I believe it's good to have some sort of clandestine so, people that don't, um, but no one knows who they are. They might sit in key positions. And I think it's also useful for your congregation to see that you are keeping them safe and secure and I know where to go if I have trouble. Um, I do believe from working with hundreds of churches across the country, most people in today's world really know that it's dangerous 
and that they want to feel safe. And I think COVID really showed us that if people don't feel safe, they didn't come to our churches. So making them feel safe is, is a key to having a healthy con- congregation. And I believe part of that is having um, overt security team members, a medical team where they know who to go to in that emergency. I think attitudes have most probably changed the last two years that they expect a church to have security that perhaps they don't ordinarily have. Good. All right. Uh, those, those folks who are here in the room, I'm going to ask Simon a couple more questions, but if you guys have anything, kind of be thinking, and we can talk through a couple of things if you have that. Uh, so last couple questions for you is, uh, talk to me about drilling uh, or drill exercises. How often, how should I run through exercises if if the worst happens? Yeah, great question. And when you have an emergency operation plan, so you know what your risk universe is, you know how you want people to respond. The only way, the only way to know is this going to work in a highly stressful situation is to practice, to practice, to practice. And a lot of organizations, they will do drills, but they will say, well, as school, we did all our drills in the first semester of school. Well, that's not building the muscle memory which is needed to know that when you're in that situation, how are you going to respond? So um, drills, very honestly, are the only way to test does your plan work and to build the muscle memory that if someone's in that position straight away, they know how to respond. So um, there's not a hard and fast rule on drills, but at least once a quarter, um, if not not more. So, okay, once every four months. Yes, correct. Okay. All right, excellent. Do you guys have any concerns, questions about security at your church? Anything that you're thinking through? Okay, should my security be armed? And the armed question is very topical for churches across the, the country. And, I mean, it's one of those, it is an and or, depending on your church community. But here's what I would say, is that in the last 10 years, deadly force incidents have risen dramatically in each different sector. And I think the risk of an active shooter, however small, is still present. Um, it is still present. And knowing that the statistics are rising, what we have to ask ourselves in a church is, if that tragedy ever struck in our house of worship, when we have 50, 60, 200 people, 1,000 people worshipping, how are we going to defend ourselves against that risk? And so I think it really comes down to the culture and the appetite of a church to answer that question, whatever's best for them. But you've really got to say, if someone walked in today intent to take human life, how are we going to stop that threat? Mm-hmm. Um, and only the culture of a church knows we would respond with firearms, we would try and run, whatever that is. So I think they, they have to answer that question is, what do you want your response to, to be? Great. So if people need uh, to look into this, get more training from you, take next steps, how can we find you? Yeah, so I have a, actually a five-week um, group coaching program where I take church leaders through some of the things we've spoken about today. So my website is just kingswoodsc.com, um, and you can reach out to me there, and that's where a lot of my information is, so just kingswoodsc.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. In our next episode, Top Challenges Church Streamers Face and How to Overcome Them with Bruce O'Leary. I'm Gene Lass, editor of Worship Facility. Thank you again.